On Thursday, left-wing fact-checker PolitiFact, a site known more for its biases than its quality fact-checking, stepped into a pile of doo-doo once again. This time, they blasted President Trump with a fake news fact-check that demonstrates just how dishonest they are. Here is their headline. White House tweet wrongly says Obamacare led to fewer insurance options, and they say mostly false. So, what did the White House say that was so wrong? Trump said, quote, Obamacare has led to fewer health insurance options for millions of Americans. This is indisputably true. Just yesterday, Anthem Blue Cross pulled out of the Obamacare exchanges in Wisconsin and Indiana. Health insurance rates have risen dramatically. As CNBC reported last week, quote, as many as 1,200 counties are projected to have just one such insurer next year. More counties could be left bare or with just one insurer in coming weeks as insurers announce their intentions, unquote. And this doesn't take into account the fact that many Obamacare plans have cut patients off from their doctors. If you liked your doctor, you couldn't keep your doctor. Those who have been added to the insurance rules under Obamacare aren't actually buying health insurance for the most part. They're being forced onto Medicaid by lack of options. So, instead of dealing with that claim, PolitiFact made up an unrelated claim that the number of, un- that the number of insured had dropped overall. Nobody said that, though. If you count Medicaid coverage, which doesn't actually improve health outcomes, the numbers are up. But that's not what Trump claimed. Here's PolitiFact admitting the truth all the way at the bottom of their little fact check. Quote, The sole thread of truth is that with the insurance exchanges set up by the law, the number of carriers has dwindled. Oh, you mean the only claim here that Trump made was true? And then you made up a series of alternative claims to knock down? PolitiFact is ridiculous. Their drive to check fake news from the left only makes them purveyors of that same fake news. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so they finally just released the Senate health care version, the the Obamacare quote-unquote repeal. It is not a repeal. It is even more of a trash heap than the House version that passed. I was very critical of that version. Version 1 was really bad. Version 2 was slightly less bad. The Senate version is really quite crappy. It's going to pass, probably, and the reason that it will pass, I would think, is because of two things. One, it defunds Planned Parenthood, and two, it basically allows Republicans to go out there and claim that they repealed Obamacare when they did no such thing. But we'll talk about that in a little while after uh, I want to discuss Trump in Iowa. But before we do any of those things, I first want to say thank you to our sponsors over at My Patriot Supply. So if you're a smart person, you know that you ought to prepare for emergencies. There are going to be situations in life where there's some sort of natural disaster or, God forbid, a man-made disaster where the government can't get to you right away. There's an earthquake. There's a flood. There's a tornado. There's a terrorist attack. And you need food for your family. Well, that's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Right now, you can go to preparewithben.com. That's preparewithben.com. And you get their four-week emergency food supply for just $99. Their number is 888-803-1413. 888-803-1413. Or online at preparewithben.com. It's 99 bucks plus free shipping. That feeds a family of four. Uh, or it gets their uh, four-week emergency food supply, rather. My team tells me that the meals taste like homemade cooking. Uh, they've all tried it in the office. Again, it's preparewithben.com. Preparewithben.com. Dot com. Make sure that you and your family are safe. 888-803-1413. 888-803-1413. Preparewithben.com. And that ensures that you and your family are safe again. It's a one-time spend. Ain't that much money. You should do it just to be the responsible person that you are. Okay, so I do want to talk about the Senate version of Trump Care slash Obamacare repeal. Before we get to that, I think it's important to talk about the Democrats and their aftermath of their reaction to the loss of John Ossoff in Georgia 6th against Karen Handel. So finally, all of the conflict that has been brewing under the surface of the resistance is broken open. The hatred for Trump covered up the fact that the Democrats really have nothing in common anymore. There are three branches of the Democratic Party. 
and they are at war with one another. One is the Bernie Sanders branch. This is the progressive socialist Michael Moore branch of the party that says capitalism is evil and we need to redistribute all the income and all the problems in the country are created by income inequality. These people are not intersectional politicians. They believe that socialistic redistributionism is the solution and that the Democratic Party has to universally move toward the left. That's branch number one. Branch number two are the intersectional politicians. This would be like Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Both of these politicians, their principles are a little bit all over the place. They're all to the left, obviously, but they, they tend to differ on certain basic functions of government. But they all agree that America is a terrible place where human beings are separated by race and sex and sexual orientation. So you have the intersectionalists who believe that they're gonna cobble together this new coalition of people who have been victimized by the American system in order to win elections. So, so again, group number one, the Sanders people, they say we move to the left, we'll win. And then you have group number two, and these are the, the Obama people, and they say we need our intersectional hierarchy, the Hillary people, we need our intersectional hierarchy. And then there's group number three, and group number three are the Seth Moltons of the world. This is the Democrat congressperson from Massachusetts who's making the rounds yesterday because he said what we need is a broader tent party where we have some pro-life Democrats, where we have some people who are not so anti-business, where we are not universally Nancy Pelosi Democrats. And these three factions are now at war with one another. And that's breaking out into the open because Democrats for the first time are realizing that it's not enough just to scream at President Trump alone. Uh, it's gonna get them most of the way, but if they have no unity, if they can't figure out what they're doing, then they've got a problem. Rahm Emanuel acknowledged that they are in serious trouble. He says, we are 1,000 seats behind, says the former chief of staff for President Obama. We are 1,000 seats shorter today than we were in 2009 or 2008. This is not about one election. It's about building a party, building an apparatus. Okay, so they're finally realizing they have bad news. But the problem is their response to that was Trump is colluding with Russia. When Hillary lost, their immediate response was, we have to resist. What are we resisting? Well, we can't say what his agenda is because we don't know what his agenda is. Trump hasn't actually done anything major at this point. So we resist him. He's a Putin stooge. Only one problem, that entire theory is falling apart. Jay Johnson, who is the former Homeland Security Secretary under President Obama, helps contribute to the collapse of the Democrats' key talking point that Trump is some sort of Russian stooge. Not beyond uh, what has been out there open source and not beyond anything that I'm sure this committee has already seen and heard before directly from the intelligence community. So the only thing I'd have on that is derivative of what the intelligence community has and the law enforcement community. Okay, so you can see that the, the, with that narrative falling apart, they now have to come up with a new narrative. So on the one hand, you have the people who are, who are more in favor of this broad tent Democratic Party. That's the one that's actually going to be better for Democrats, right? This would be kind of the Joe Biden wing of the party. We need to get beyond intersectional politics. Uh, Representative Dingell, who I guess replaced uh, I think she replaced her husband, right? This is Debbie Dingell. Uh, she spoke with MSNBC yesterday, and she talked about this. She said that basically we need to get beyond the intersectional Obama era, and we need to move toward a more, a more solid era of we're all Americans. And this is what Democrats would do if they were smart, but they're not. So here's Debbie Dingell from Michigan. If we don't figure out how we become we again, we're going to keep losing. So I, I think it's important that we need to understand each of these groups has issues. So she says that we can't be African-Americans for, for Obama or for Hillary. We can't be Hispanic-Americans for Obama or Hillary. We have to just be we again. And this is true, right? This is the real reason that Trump won. The reason Trump won is because he wasn't insulting Americans by categorizing them into small groups and then implying that there was this broad, vast, white mass out there that was out to get them. That's the real reason that Trump won. It wasn't about his populist politics. It wasn't about tariffs. It wasn't about any of that stuff. 
Okay, it wasn't about Ross Dudhad and the and the tax credits that Trump would give to particular businesses in the Rust Belt. It was about the fact that Trump did not patronize a bunch of white voters by telling them they hated black and Hispanic people. That's what actually happened here. So you have this wing of the party, the Debbie Dingle wing, that is starting to figure it out. Unfortunately for Debbie Dingell, that's being undercut by the Bernie Sanders wing. So the Bernie Sanders wing says that Nancy Pelosi should continue to rule the party. Nancy Pelosi is a wonderful far-left politician who's just done yeoman's work, even though it was Nancy Pelosi's name just being dropped a couple of times in the Georgia 6 that led to the Democratic defeat. Paul Begala says we can't get rid of Nancy Pelosi. We need Nancy Pelosi. But let me defend Nancy <laughs> Pelosi. Please, please, quick defense. If there was, if there was a Mount Rushmore for speakers, Nancy Pelosi would be on it. She passed national health care. Even Franklin Roosevelt could not do that. I mean, she is so important. We need to keep her. We need to run far to the left. We need to become the Bernie Sanders party. So that's wing number two. And then finally, there is the intersectional wing. So what, here's what Democrats need to unify. Okay, so, and this is where it's kind of interesting what's going on right now because I think it plays into what Democrats need in order to unify. What Democrats need in order to unify is not only for Trump to be unpopular, but for there to be some piece of legislation that they can all jump on and smack him with. So in 1994, Bill Clinton was very unpopular, but it took Hillary Care and the threat of Hillary Care to lead to this vast Republican wave that wiped out 60 seats in the, in the House for Democrats and led to the rise of the Republican majority in the House that has basically been steady uh, with, with the brief period between 06 and, and 10 since 1994. So the fact is that you, it needs two things. In, or, in order for the out-of-party, the out-of-power party to take over what they need is an unpopular president, number one, and then that's, that goes in the mix, and then you need an enzyme to catalyze the resistance, and that is some piece of unpopular legislation. Well, so far, Trump hasn't actually done anything, right? So far, the only thing he's done is nominate Neil Gorsuch, and that's not enough of a slap to Democrats for them to really catalyze around it, for them to coagulate around that and then become the quote-unquote resistance. And so Chuck Schumer is interested in Obamacare appeal. He thinks that the Democrats are going to be able to whip the the base into a fury over the repeal of the supposed repeal of Obamacare. We're going to look at every single thing and find out the best way, but this is full-scale warfare. This is the most important advancement since probably Medicare in terms of helping people, and we're not going to be complacent or go along or business as usual in any way. So Democrats need something to oppose. They need Trump not just to be Trump. They need Trump to actually push a big piece of legislation that is unpopular. Fortunately for them, it looks like the Senate is about to do that. So the Senate just dropped their health care bill, and the Senate health care bill is just a disaster. The Senate health care bill, uh, it cuts some of the Obamacare taxes, but the problem is then it doesn't pay for all of the subsidies that it's giving. It's preserving virtually all of the Obamacare subsidies. It's increasing subsidies in certain areas. It cuts Medicaid, but it only does that down the road. Uh, and those cuts are never going to materialize. It enshrines the Obamacare central regulations in place. Will Republicans pass it? As I said, I think they probably will because I think that Republicans are stupid and they just want the immediate headline that they repealed Obamacare, even though that means they now own what comes next. They also want to be able to say to their constituency that they repealed all the funding for Planned Parenthood. Although, again, is that a big enough deal to is that a, is that a, a huge enough advance for the Republicans to own Obamacare for the foreseeable future? No, it's sort of reminiscent of what President Trump did with 
illegal immigration. He said that he was going to get rid of DAPA, which is the protection for parents of illegal immigrants who came in when they were children. He, got, he said he was going to get rid of DAPA, which wasn't even in place, and then he re-enshrined DACA, which was Obama's executive amnesty. Republicans are basically re-enshrining Obamacare and then calling it Obamacare repeal, which is the worst of all available worlds. Even the creator, even the creator of Obamacare, Jonathan Gruber, you remember he's the guy who was caught on tape saying, yes, we lied to the American public about what Obamacare was going to do. Even he is now out there saying that this Senate version doesn't actually repeal Obamacare in any significant way. Does this bill have more heart, as the president would say, Jonathan? You know, I'm torn this morning. On the one hand, this is no longer an Obamacare repeal bill. That's good. On the other hand, this is just a giant cut in Medicaid. That's what this bill now amounts to. Huh. And that's bad. Okay, and so he's, he's upset about the Medicaid cuts, but he says that basically Trump care is Obamacare. And this is essentially correct. There's a poll that just came out from NBC Wall Street Journal. They found only 34% of Republicans like the House GOP health care bill. And only 16% of Americans overall say that that House GOP health care bill is a good idea. The Senate GOP health care bill is in many ways even worse. Peter Suderman over at Reason.com has a good rundown on what exactly is in the bill. What he says is the Senate plan looks even closer to the health care law that is already on the books. In other words, it is exactly what critics predicted, a bill that, at least in the near term, retains weakened versions of nearly all of Obamacare's core features while fixing few, if any, of the problems Republicans say they want to fix. It is Obamacare light, the health law Republicans claim to oppose, but less of it. It represents a total failure of Republican policy imagination. And then he goes on, he says, to understand the Senate plan, it helps to recall Obamacare's underlying framework. The centerpiece of the law was a reform of the individual market intended to give those who do not get coverage through work or a federal program access to subsidized regulated coverage. The law created a new federal subsidy based on income for lower and middle income households to purchase health insurance. It also set up federal rules requiring insurers to cover pre-existing conditions and it mandated that all individuals obtain health coverage to pay for it. So basically, it created what we know as uh, Obamacare created these Obamacare markets. And the idea was we're going to force all of the insurers to cover people with pre-existing health conditions. How do we pay for that? By forcing people who are healthy to buy health insurance. That was the basic structure of Obamacare. So what does the Republican Senate bill do? It keeps in place all of the regulations. It removes the mandate. It removes some of the taxes. So it keeps all of the mandates on insurance companies, which means that the so-called Obamacare death spiral will be accelerated. All these insurance companies are going to be forced to take on people they can't afford, and nothing makes up the gap except for more government subsidies. Those government subsidies, of course, come from borrowing, and Republicans are cutting the taxes, so they won't come from taxes. The reason Republicans are cutting Medicaid in the future is they're playing an accounting game. What they're hoping to do is come across as revenue neutral. In fact, they're hoping that this quote-unquote saves revenue to the federal government, even though it really will not in the long run, so they can pass, pass tax reform. That's the goal here. If you understand that the Obamacare repeal plan from the Senate is designed to do two things, neither of which is repealing Obamacare, you'll understand all you need to know about this Obamacare repeal program. It is designed to, number one, tell Republicans that it repealed Obamacare without actually repealing it, and number two, it is designed to make room for a tax cut under reconciliation. Under reconciliation, in order for Republicans to pass a bill through the Senate with 51 votes instead of 60 necessary to shut down a filibuster, Republicans have to get a score from the Congressional Budget Office that says that any bill that they pass is quote-unquote revenue neutral. Okay, tax cuts are not revenue neutral because in the short term, at least, they reduce the amount of money that comes into the federal government. So what Republicans are trying to do is pass a health care bill that cuts the amount of outlay by the federal government so they can then take that amount and translate it into a tax reform bill. So all the Republicans really want from Obamacare repeal is the headline that says they repealed it, even though they didn't, and two, the ability to pass a tax cut. That's it. That's all this is. And so the Senate bill 
accomplishes both those goals, but it doesn't actually repeal Obamacare. Republicans have criticized these marketplaces, as Suderman says, for being expensive and unstable. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says Obamacare is collapsing around us. Yet even more than the House plan, the Senate plan retains the essential structure of Obamacare's individual market reforms. It would likely result in fewer people being covered and it would not stop the destabilization of the market. So it doesn't actually help anybody. It creates a, a permanent subsidy. You know, Right now, under Obamacare, there are subsidies that go up to 400% of the poverty line for a family of four. So if you are trying to buy health care in the Obamacare plan, you get some sort of subsidy up to 400% of the poverty line. That's about $100,000 for a family of four. Starting in 2020, the Senate bill ratchets that back to 350% of the poverty line, about $86,000 for the same family. Well, that hurts the middle class people who have been reliant on those subsidies. And two, we shouldn't be subsidizing this stuff anyway, okay? The idea that we should be subsidizing a family of four that makes $100,000 a year to buy Obamacare it doesn't actually help anything in the sense that it continues to drive up cost because healthy people are still not getting insured once you remove the mandate. So if you have an unhealthy family of four, even with the subsidy, they lose money. If they're healthy, then they shouldn't really need the subsidy, should they? So it's, it's this bizarre situation. It's an entitlement program, basically, that Republicans are signing off on. And then they're proposing to authorize certain payments called CSR payments. These are cost-sharing reduction subsidies to insurers. So we are now going to subsidize the insurance companies even the same way that Obama was going to. Remember, Obama tried to subsidize the insurers and Republicans sued to stop him. And now Republicans are going to backtrack on that. Republicans are now going to provide the same subsidies they sued Obama for providing under the Senate version. So the reports, by the way, indicate that those subsidies for families of four, they're pegged to lower cost plans, which means smaller subsidies for crappier health insurance. As Suderman says, the scheme undercuts the GOP's complaints Obamacare hurts the middle class. In addition to higher deductibles, it creates a subsidy cliff for middle class families purchasing health insurance on the individual market. And of course, it still spends an enormous amount of money. So if you look at the Senate bill and how it handles Medicaid, it's like the House bill. This is the one good part. It slowly rolls back Medicaid expansion over a period of years and converts it into a per capita system rather than a need-based system. But it's, it, it delays the start of that phase out until 2021, which means it's never going to happen because a Republican president and Republican Congress would have to be elected from here all the way until 2020 in order to ensure that this kicks in. Otherwise, the Democrats will come in and they'll just roll it back. It says starting in 2025, it would place a stricter cap on the growth of Medicaid spending than the House bill. Yeah, except by 2025, who thinks that, that Republicans are going to be able to withhold the pressure all the way to 2025? Anybody? Anybody? If you, it, this is the way that a legislation works, folks. If it says in 10 years we're going to do X, it's never happening because somebody from the other party will come in and destroy it before the 10 years are up. This is all, it's just, it's a bad bill. It's a bad bill. Suderman says, this might be the, no the notable failure to think beyond the terms set by Obamacare. It means the Senate bill not only won't be Obamacare repeal, it might not even be Obamacare light. Instead, it might be Obamacare light later and later could easily turn out to be never because as the individual insurance markets fail, thanks to the lack of a mandate and thanks to the lack of taxes to pay for any of this stuff, then there's gonna be more and more call for government involvement, not less and less call or more and more call for free markets. Bottom line is the Republicans in the Senate and the House do not wanna repeal Obamacare because they have all bought into the basic notion that the government ought to be involved in the healthcare system, which is a disaster for Republicans. Democrats won this debate and now Republicans are surrendering to it. So the question becomes, why in the hell do you elect Republicans in the first place? I'll get to that in just a second. But first, I wanna say thank you to our sponsors over at Quip. So Quip is this brand new toothbrush company and it is just phenomenal for two reasons. One, 
I used to have an electric toothbrush. They're heavy. It's hard to travel with them. Whenever I would travel, I would just bring a normal toothbrush, not an electric toothbrush because they are so bulky and they just fill up your suitcase. Quip is this amazing electric toothbrush that packs vibration and timer features into a very slim design with a battery in it. It's basically like Apple designed a toothbrush, but it doesn't have a big price tag on it. You have to see it and brush with it yourself. It's really terrific, obviously. I brush with it. And you can subscribe to receive new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month plan for just $5, including free shipping. So one of the big problems with the electric toothbrushes is if you forget to buy the extra heads, then you're using the same head for the next seven years, which is disgusting. Quip, make sure that you get the new head when you're supposed to get it, as dentists would recommend. You get it in the mail without even having to think about it. Right now, go to getquip.com Shapiro to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, by the way, so it's not like you're breaking the bank for an electric toothbrush, but this does have health ramifications. There are pretty significant linkages scientifically between plaque in your mouth and, and not brushing properly, not flossing properly, and heart disease, apparently. So go to quip.com slash Shapiro. Get that first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. You get that first refill pack free again at getquip.com slash Shapiro. Q-U-I-P, getquip.com slash Shapiro. Getquip.com slash Shapiro. You get that first refill pack free and use the slash Shapiro so that they know that we sent you and uh, they continue to advertise with us. Okay, so with all of this said, the fact that the Senate bill sucks, right now we are now learning that there are at least a couple of Republican senators who are probably not going to vote for it, which means that it may not pass at all. The question becomes, do Republicans even want to pass this thing? Do Republicans even want to pass this thing? And it's not clear that they do. It's not clear that Republicans actually want to do much of anything. Because Republicans, number one, never want to do much of anything because they're afraid that if they do something, there will be a backlash. And number two, because if you run the entire federal government and you pass something massive, again, this could catalyze the left into opposition. For example, take the Ossoff race in Georgia 6. There were a lot of people who were suggesting that Ossoff should have run more, more heavily on Trump care. Okay, number one, that wasn't going to work because that's a pretty affluent district. Not a lot of people are on Obamacare to begin with in that district. And number two, nothing had actually passed. It was hard to run against a piece of legislation that doesn't actually exist yet. If Republicans pass a very unpopular piece of legislation, which this looks like it is, then they will bear the burden of that. Now, imagine for a second that Republicans had come in and just fulfilled a basic promise. We're going to repeal Obamacare. End of story. One sentence. Obamacare is repealed. Let's say they just come in and done that. And then they negotiated around the edges for what we're going to do to fix the problems that Obamacare was designed to solve. Then Republicans would be in pretty good shape. But now, because they're trying this omnibus fix to Obamacare that doesn't actually fix it, leaves it in place, increases subsidies in certain areas, decreases subsidies in certain other areas, gets rid of the underlying mechanism for funding the whole damn thing, so we're just going to borrow up the wazoo for it and then pretend we're going to cut later. If Republicans do that, then Democrats will have something to coalesce around. Which is silly, because the fact is that if you're going to pass policies, they ought to be good policies. If you're going to take political risk, it ought to be for a good potential payoff. There is an alternative strategy that Republicans could pursue. If they really don't want to do anything, there's an alternative strategy that they could pursue that unfortunately, I think unfortunately, would actually work with the Republican crowd and would also prevent them from sustaining massive losses in 2018 because they wouldn't actually pass anything deeply unpopular. But for that, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and become a subscriber. For just $8 a month, you can become a subscriber over at dailywire.com. Right now, that is the rate. It's going to go up July 1st. You become a subscriber now, you become part of the mailbag. You can write in to me live on the mailbag on Fridays. You can also be part of Andrew Clavin's mailbag, see the rest of the show live. If you want an annual subscription right now, you get a free signed copy of Say It So, 
book about baseball and my dad and me. Uh, it's, I think, a really fun, terrific read. Uh, say it so you can get that for free signed when you get an annual subscription. Also, the annual subscription rates uh, are going to change July 1st. So you want to get that annual subscription right now. If you're thinking about it, now is the time to do it. Don't wait until July 1st. Just do it right now. Uh, if you don't want to subscribe, go over to iTunes or SoundCloud. You can listen to the rest of the show later. Uh, make sure that you subscribe and leave a review. We always appreciate it. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. So I want to talk about what makes Trump popular with his base, what drives Democrats nuts and what Trump actually ought to be doing, because if they're not going to pass anything, Trump can still be pretty successful. And that's because one of the things that I have lamented for now going on two years, one of the things that I've lamented is that it seems like a lot of people on the right are significantly more interested in pissing off the left than they are in actually doing anything. And it seems like the, the Republicans, the Republican Party as a party is happy to benefit from that. They don't do anything. They just piss off the left they obstruct the left, and that's supposed to be enough. So they're not going to actually repeal Obamacare. They're just going to stick a, a needle in the eye of the Democrat. So last night, Trump speaks in Iowa, and he speaks after Karen Handel wins in Georgia, and he takes credit for it, which is like, okay, you know, you, you get credit for not losing it. I'm not sure you get credit for winning it, as I said yesterday. Um, but Trump is speaking in Iowa on his victory tour, and the and this is where Trump is at his best. And you see, you watch Twitter, and you can see all of the pundits who have been critical of him for not passing anything, for not actually promoting certain policies, were just gushing over it. So Ann Coulter's perfect example. Last week, Ann was, was bashing Trump because there's still no wall, uh, not a foot of it has really been built, uh, because there is still no Obamacare repeal. She was really bashing him over immigration. She was basically saying that he re-enshrined executive amnesty and didn't build the wall. What the hell did we elect this guy for? But then he spoke last night and Ann was back in his corner. This is the greatest thing that ever was. This is the guy we elected. Why can't he be this guy all the time? So what Trump is best at is the same thing Obama was best at, and that is going out and talking to crowds. He's really good at it, and he's really good at slapping the left while he does it. And everybody on our side of the aisle tends to thrill to that because it's fun. And it is fun. And it's well-deserved a lot of the time. It doesn't actually pass legislation. And maybe this is the unfortunate sweet spot for Republicans. Maybe this is what Mitch McConnell is actually doing. Maybe Republicans don't have any intent to pass anything big. Maybe they don't care about establishing conservative principle. Maybe the Senate health care bill is basically just a fraud, and they're not actually going to pass anything. Or if they do pass something, it won't be any good for conservatives. It'll trim around the edges of Obamacare without actually changing anything so that Republicans can claim it's still Obama's fault, even though they had the opportunity to repeal Obamacare. Maybe the goal for Republicans is just this perverse set of circumstances, this, this perverse incentive system in which Republicans pass nothing conservative but still benefit from the fact that they are the anti-left, that the right is anti-left, and therefore, as long as we're pissing off Democrats, we're doing something right. That's what I got from the Trump rally last night. So that's not to say Trump isn't good at it. He's terrific at it. But watch what Trump says, and then we're going to talk about you know what exactly this means for policy. So here is President Trump speaking, and again, the left are so dumb that they walk right into the teeth of this. So the, the left decides... They're going to show up and protest Trump, which is just idiotic. This is why I say that when Republicans run on stage at Shakespeare in the Park, it's not doing Republicans any favor. It's not only pointless, it's counterproductive. Do you feel, as a Republican, more warm toward Trump or less warm toward Trump after this clip? We'll ask. I'd like to also take this moment to send our thoughts and prayers to our courageous friend, somebody that I've gotten to know very well, Steve Scalise, and everyone recovering from the assault.
Okay, so Trump then thanks the police. You can hear the protesters whistling in the middle of his tribute to Steve Scalise. You feel warmer toward Trump, don't you? Because the people who are protesting him are uh, kind of douchey, right? I mean, that's, that is the reality of it. So I don't know why the right would want to be as douchey as the left, considering that the left's douchiness is what prompted Trump to become president of the United States. So Trump goes on, and, uh, and Trump rips CNN. Well worth the time to do so, and here he is ripping CNN. They built these studios. CNN. Hey, the camera just went off. I can't imagine. It's covered live. The camera just went off. I can't imagine why. Okay, so there he is uh, proclaiming that CNN turned off the camera on him the minute that he mentioned CNN to rip CNN. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's funny. Uh, In any case... This is the kind of stuff that gets Republicans jazzed up. You can see the three teenage girls in the background chewing gum, wearing MAGA hats, uh, and they are overjoyed that he's slapping at CNN. Because, yes, of course, this appeals to the Republican id. I find it hilarious also. I mean, we made fun of CNN yesterday for their obvious morning on air. I mean, it looks like we're doing the show from a funeral home, but the actual funeral home was happening on CNN yesterday uh, when you watch their reactions to the Georgia 6th District. And then Trump... In, in what I think is just a masterful act of trollery. We'll have to ask Michael Knowles because he's the king of trolls if this qualifies, but this is like high-class trollery. Donald Trump in Iowa says that he wants to build a border wall and then he wants to make it into a border wall filled with solar panels. We need it. We have to stop the drugs from blowing in. You know, people don't realize we're already spending a lot of money on design, but I'll give you an idea that nobody has heard about yet. And I'm not sure, but I'm a builder. That's what I love to do. That's probably what I do best. I'm a builder. Like Bob. And we're thinking of something that's unique. We're talking about the southern border. Lots of sun, lots of heat. We're thinking about building the wall as a solar wall. So it creates energy and pays for itself. And this way... Mexico will have to pay much less money. And that's good, right? Okay, again, the the fact that people are like resonating to this is hilarious to me because, again, his entire promise is we're going to build a wall. And now he's building castles in his mind. He actually said in this speech, this is really funny, he said, the higher you build the wall, the more solar energy you get off of it. Okay, let's be real. Solar wall not happening because for a variety of reasons, including technical feasibility, the fact that smugglers could simply walk up and break these extraordinarily expensive solar panels, there are environmental consequences to building solar panels. Um, But it's really funny because obviously he's trolling the environmental left. Well, you guys love solar energy so much, we're gonna build a huge wall made of solar energy. And Jonah Goldberg had a a very funny line. He said, uh, maybe we should build a wall around the entire country and turn it into the world's largest Hadron Collider. (laughs) It's pretty It's pretty great, though, right? I mean, like, this stuff is really funny. Like, you can see he's just trolling the Democrats into oblivion, and they're all going nuts, and we're all saying, well, don't you like solar energy? I mean, come on, guys. You love solar energy. What's a, Don't you love solar energy? If you want, we can put windmills on the top. You know, we can prevent the Im- illegal immigrants and generate wind. It will chop them up into little bits if they climb up on the wall, if they burn their hands climbing up the solar wall, and they get to the very, very top of the solar wall. And then there are these magnificent huge, unbelievable windmills, and the windmills just chop them up into little pieces. I mean, ending illegal immigration and generating the kind of energy that no one has thought of except me, because it's beautiful and incredible and spectacular and fabulous. (laughs) Okay, so, like, Republicans love this stuff, right? They love it. Uh, And then finally, he says that he wants to cut off welfare for immigrants for five years, and the entire Republican crowd goes insane. 
So central to that economic agenda is a plan to restore America's crumbling infrastructure. We will rebuild not only America, but we will rebuild rural America. In this great national rebuilding, we will follow two simple rules. We will buy American, and we will hire American. We want to get our people off of welfare and back to work. We also want to preserve our safety net for struggling Americans who truly need help. We want to help them. People that truly need help. Right, Chris? We want to help those people. But others don't treat us fairly. That's why I believe the time has come for new immigration rules, which say that those seeking admission into our country must be able to support themselves financially and should not use welfare for a period of at least five years. Okay, so, and the crowd loses it. Oh, this is so great. I can't believe... Current federal law says that immigrants cannot use the vast majority of forms of welfare for five years. So I'm not sure what exactly he's changing, but it's great, right? But yeah, awesome, guys. That's so awesome. Woo-hoo! And again, all of this stuff is red meat for the base. I mean, again, do I think it's funny? Do I think it's entertaining? Yes, I do. I always thought that Trump was funny and entertaining. Uh, you know, he, he follows this up with that, what I thought was the funniest line of the night. This is uh, clip 14. He, he was, he, he's talking about members of his cabinet uh, and he suggests that uh, he does not want them to be poor, and here's why. When you get the president, this is the president of Goldman Sachs, smart. Having him represent us, he went from massive paydays to peanuts, to little tiny. I'm waiting for them to accuse him of wanting that little amount of money. They wanted that. But these are people that are great, brilliant business minds, and that's what we need, that's what we have to have, so the world doesn't take advantages of it. We can't have the world taking advantage of us anymore. And I love all people, rich or poor, but in those particular positions, I just don't want a poor person. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? If you insist, I'll do it. But I like it better this way, right? Okay, that's funny. Come on. I mean, like, of course that's true. Of course, the idea that you're going to have some homeless guy running the, the Treasury Department is ridiculous. I, I do have to acknowledge that, again, this just shows you that policy has nothing to do with what Trump is talking about. He spent the entire campaign talking about how terrible Goldman Sachs was, and then it's Goldman Sachs runs my administration. Isn't it awesome? Again, this is because the right has become, as long as we poke fun at the left, as long as we're making fun of the left and making ourselves feel good about making fun of the left and obstructing their agenda, right, because their agenda isn't supposedly moving forward, uh, as long as we're doing all those things, then everything is just fine. Uh, and this is how Trump, I think, could still do okay in 2018, is just by being Trump. So everybody on the left is convinced that Trump's unpopular and therefore Democrats are going to sweep to victory. Look, Democrats do have an advantage because Trump is unpopular, but there is that additional ingredient that they require, and that is an unpopular piece of legislation that Trump signs large enough for them to campaign on the back of it. Trump care is not that for two reasons. One, it imitates Obamacare almost down to the letter, and two, 
I'm not even sure that it's going to pass. So Republicans are not even going to be able to, to pass that. So it'll just be Trump out there stirring up the base. And the, and the Democrats, if they're stupid, will keep saying Trump is evil, Trump is evil, Trump is evil, which, just like in Georgia 6, will drive a lot of people who reluctantly voted for Trump out to the polls to vote in favor of the Republican. And Republicans could theoretically hold the House on the basis of Trump doing nothing, which doesn't say a lot for the state of our politics, but is indeed a strategy, I suppose. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things I hate, and then we'll do the big idea because today is a Thursday. So, uh, things that we'll get to that in one second. Sorry. Before I get to things I like, first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Beachbody On Demand. So, you don't know this, but lurking beneath this nerdy exterior is a man of iron. Uh, I work out every single day. Um, I am in pretty good shape. Uh, and one of the reasons that I'm in pretty good shape is because I use Beachbody On Demand. These are Beachbody On Demand uh, is a company that provides you with all sorts of resources for working out nutritional content, all proven to help people achieve their health and fitness goals. It's all the brands you've heard of. It's like P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, three-week yoga retreat. And Beachbody On Demand, when you subscribe to Beachbody On Demand, you do get access to all of their material, over 600 different workouts. You have flexibility to design your workout schedule from those 600 different workouts. They offer fully integrated programs, including step-by-step daily workout calendars, customized, simple, but proven eating plans, and accessible on your computer, on your web-enabled TV, on your smartphone. Uh, I've been using P90X on the days that I um, on the road, uh, which is a fair bit. And they have recipe videos too, so you can learn how to prep your meals and cook kid or vegan-friendly meals, even practice your bartending skills with healthy cocktails. So it's all about health, and that's what Beachbody On Demand does for you. Right now, if you text Shapiro to 303030, right? You go to the text to the number, 303030 Shapiro, you can get a free trial membership, a free trial membership to Beachbody On Demand. It's just fabulous. You get full access to the entire platform for free when you text Shapiro to 303030 and get that free trial membership. You can try it out, see if you like it. I guarantee you will. I mean, if there's not one program that you like, there's another. Uh, if you're a yoga person, you get yoga. If you're a weightlifting person, you get weightlifting. If, you, if you're just somebody who wants CrossFit, they have plenty of CrossFit programs. It is designed to cater to you. It is fantastic. For me, the biggest obstacle to working out is getting bored. Beachbody On Demand ensures that I have a different workout every time, and I never get bored. So it's Text Shapiro again, Shapiro to 303030, and you get full access to the entire platform for free. Beachbody On Demand, you want to get in shape, you want to lose some weight, this is the way to do it. Beachbody On Demand again, text Shapiro to 303030. Okay, time for some things I like, and then some things I hate in the big idea. So, things I like. We have been doing witch-related things this week, and so we get to uh, the book that is the most famous that has a witch in it, and that would be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. So when I read this as a kid, uh, growing up as a Jewish kid, I didn't see any of the Christian imagery in it because I wasn't particularly familiar with Christianity, but it is indeed a Christian allegory. Uh, Aslan, who is the lion, takes the role of Jesus. The books are much better than the films. The films are fine, but the the books are significantly better than the films. The entire series is just great. C.S. Lewis is a wonderful writer. I've recommended his nonfiction several times on the program before. His fiction is also terrific. Uh, This is a better series than his space series, but Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe uh, is, of course, a classic, and it ought to be because it is fun and it is is adventurous uh, and it's really first rate. Uh, Basically, Aslan the Lion is forced to, I don't want to give away the plot for those who haven't read it or seen the movie, but as I say, uh, it is all a Christian allegory and the witch in this this book is basically the stand-in for Satan. Uh, She doesn't 
fulfill all of the categories that would be necessary for her to just be Satan, but she is, is sort of an emissary of Satan in this book, tempting uh, the children to do the wrong thing. It's a good moral book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Okay, other things that I like. So Democrats were looking for some excuse for why they lost the Georgia 6th last night, and they came up with one. Rachel Maddow says, it's the fault of the rain. Oh yeah, here we go. If there was a turnout effect from the bad weather today in the district, does that have any partisan implications that you could foresee in terms of what was expected for same-day election day voting yeah. uh, in here rather than the early vote? Well, and potentially. It all depends. Where it is. This is anecdotal, and we'll see when the results come in. There have been anecdotal reports, and I've even heard some Republicans saying this, that the turnout in DeKalb, this is the Democratic card. This is where if you're Asaf, you want to be getting 60, 61, 62 percent of the vote. You're expecting that. He got 60 percent in DeKalb in the early Early vote. There have been some anecdotal reports. The turnout here in DeKalb less than expected. That could be a same day. You could attribute that to anything. We'll see if that turns out. But that's something else. Now, obviously, if you get into an election like this where it's going to be decided probably by a point or two, you could also blame anything, whichever side you end up on. Okay, so I love this. So now the rain. This is the favorite New York Times headline, of course, which is world world to end. Blacks and women hardest hit. So, I mean, rain affects everybody equally. I guess that there was more rain in DeKalb County, but now they're, they're trying to claim that it was the rain's fault that Ossoff lost. Good luck with that, gang. I mean, <laughs> how, about, how about you guys just suck at this? How about you're really terrible at this and you're running a bunch of crappy candidates? Okay, time for some things that I hate. Okay, so there's this headline from CNN.com that is just absurd. Yesterday, a policeman was stabbed at the Flint, Michigan airport, and the assailant shouted Allahu Akbar before the stabbing. Now, that should give you a clue as to what sort of ideology he practiced, and no, he wasn't Mormon. They are treating it as an act of terrorism. Here was CNN's headline yesterday, quote, Preliminary indications are Michigan airport suspect said something in Arabic before stabbing officer, officials say. Something in Arabic? Well, I mean, what do you order, a kebab? I mean, like, well, something in Arabic? I mean, we all know what he said because it was widely reported what he said. It's just ridiculous. He said Allahu Akbar, which is the same thing everybody says when they stab a cop from the radical Islamic world. The most trusted name in news coming up with gold once again. By the way, CNN Today is blaming uh, global warming for bad coffee, so they're just doing yeoman's work. Um, okay, other media coverage that is just amazing. I, I do love this. I, I love it and hate it at the same time. Chris Matthew, I'm say. And Cory Booker, New Jersey. And he said how much he loved Cory Booker. Cory Booker's just the greatest. And then he said he wants to, he has thrill up his leg about Cory Booker. He wants to go to dinner with Cory Booker. Not like the kind of food stamp dinner that Cory Booker used to eat when he was doing that kind of you know, public relations op where he pretended he was on food stamp. But, you know, like a real dinner, like with steak and wine. And we can, like, do each other back massages, you know, and then, and then come back on MSNBC. Steak, my hair will be all must. I don't know. It'll be great. Go. Remember, you promised we're going to have dinner some night. We have to have this sit-down dinner, you and I, and talk about all these issues off camera and learn about this challenge we face in this country, because you're a comer. People are talking about you, sir. They are, I don't I want would, to learn ahead about you. A lot of talk about Cory Booker, okay? I appreciate Lots. it. Would you, would you eat you. vegan? <laughs> no, no, but I'll have a steak, and you can have your uh, potatoes. Okay. I'm a vegan. You can have your potatoes. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. You know, I love you. I would never have dinner with a Republican, or at least I don't know a Republican. I'd have dinner with but you, Cory Booker. You're a very sexy man. You know, you're bald head, weird teeth. You're just great. Love you, Cory Booker. Love you. Kathleen, don't take offense. Don't take offense. But I love this man. And if I could have Cory Booker's babies, I probably would. MSNBC, Chris Matthews, let's play our ball out. Yeah, just. Okay. All right. Okay, so now we have a new segment that we do on Thursdays uh, called The Big Ideas. So in the Big Ideas segment, 
we talk about some idea that is uh, making the rounds in the news and that you need to know more about. So there's a big Supreme Court case that is coming up over the issue of gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is this little known but very controversial issue in American politics whereby the state legislatures remake districts in their states uh, in order to make it safer for one party or another. So gerrymandering actually precedes the Constitution. Apparently Patrick Henry uh, in like 1788 tried to keep James Madison out of Congress drawing the Constitution because he's an anti-federalist by redrawing Virginia district lines to keep him out. Obviously that failed. Now, gerrymandering is perfectly legal, okay? The states have the ability to decide where the districts are drawn. In fact, states could decide under the Constitution, states could decide that they don't want to have districts at all. They could get rid of all districts, and instead they could have a statewide election where they have proportional representation, for example, where let's say it would run like a list system in Britain or in Israel, where you have the entire state vote, it's 50% Democrat, it's 47% Republican, and so they appoint all of their representatives by that number instead of having instead of having Congress people that represent each district. The case for that is that it's more representative of the overall vote in the state. The case against that, because, and it would be more representative because a 60-40 vote in one district would be canceled out by a 60-40 vote in another district. The case against that is that no single congressperson would be answerable to his or her constituents. Instead, they would just be more tools of the party, which is what's happened in Britain uh, or in Israel. So that's the case against that. But Article 1, Section 4 of the Constitution says that the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives are prescribed in each state by the legislature. So there's nothing wrong with this. It's always happened. It is called gerrymandering after Massachusetts Governor Elbridge Gerry, or it isn't actually pronounced Gerry, it should be gerrymandering, who signed a bill to redistrict Massachusetts. It worked for him because the district was supposedly shaped like a salamander. It became a mashup of Gerry and salamander, gerrymandering, right? That's how it became gerrymandering. Actually, the most most prominent case of gerrymandering is in the run-up to the Civil War. Republicans used gerrymandering in order to turn Dakota territory, instead of just having Dakota state, they turned it into North Dakota and South Dakota, both of which had three electoral votes and had a role in the presidential election. So the question is, is it legal? Yes, it has always been legal. It took till 1986 for the court to say that partisan gerrymandering was illegal, that parties couldn't just draw the lines for in order to benefit their own party but the problem is the court has no absolute standard. The court can't actually tell. They, they kind of do a we know it when we see it routine. They can't actually tell you when gerrymandering is partisan. So when Democrats were doing it, the court has found that it's okay. When Republicans do it, it's partisan. There have been proposals that we have a nonpartisan group of people who come up with some sort of solution to gerrymandering. Um, and, you know, you get a Republican and a Democrat and they agree on the district together. The problem is that any sort of nonpartisan panel that's ever been assembled ends up partisan in one way or another. And then because they're not subject to scrutiny, they end up being in there for life, making things worse for one party or the other. The solution to gerrymandering is if you don't like it, elect people of a different party. If you don't like it, elect people of a different party. And that has typically happened. Gerrymandering has not been enough to actually stop one party or the other from taking power. The American people are still clearly able to vacillate party to party. You know, back in 2009, Democrats ran the entire country. Now Republicans run the entire country. That's not because of redistricting. And even if Republicans redistrict, it's only going to hold them up so long if they don't do a very good job. So all the worry about gerrymandering tends to be overstated. Uh, it's also pretty ridiculous uh, the, that the, there's been an attempt by the Supreme Court to say that districts have to be drawn with, certain, with, with an eye toward race. So 
obviously, look, we don't want people drawing districts to keep all the black folks in one district and all the white folks in another district. We don't want to segregate by race. But it is also ridiculous to suggest that you have to draw districts so that a certain percentage of black folks are in a particular district or are not. Race should not come into account here. Uh, partisanship typically does. Okay, so we'll be back here tomorrow with fuller analysis of the Senate version of the health care bill. I only just had a chance to browse. It's 124 pages. It came out at 8 o'clock. The show starts at 9. So I only had a chance to browse it, uh, uh, peruse it. But I'll have a more detailed take on it tomorrow, and I will give you the full breakdown. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical. But no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix midnight mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code helixpartner20.